Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. Before you sit down, why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, you're in the right place at the right time right now. I believe that today. You can be seated. We appreciate you being here this morning, and we're going to have a wonderful time and just a wonderful presence of God as they uh, were leading us in worship today. And uh, most of you know that we're in a series called Christmas Is, and we're talking about what Christmas is really all about. And we know that it's not about decorations. We know it's not about just gifts and Christmas trees. All of those things are nice. Uh, But it's about Jesus being born and what he brings. And so I want to read a verse of scripture here. Uh, It's found in Isaiah chapter 9. It was the prophetic word that Jesus would be born uh, hundreds of years before it happened. And this is what the scripture said out of Isaiah chapter 9. Uh, Verse number six, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Consular, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And the last one I want to emphasize on today is Prince of Peace. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God. I thank you for the people of God that are sitting in this room today. I pray for the Holy Spirit to just minister to them, wherever state of mind, whatever state of heart they're in today, whatever circumstances they find themselves in, I pray that the Word of God would minister to their lives and meet them where they're at today. I pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit as I communicate your Word. Help me to convey uh, the message of the Gospel, the message of peace, people today. I pray today, let the people hear the voice behind the voice in Jesus' name. And everyone said, so I want to talk about today, peace. Christmas is peace. The Bible says that one of the names of Jesus was Prince of Peace or is Prince of Peace. And today, when we talk about peace, it's really rare that you find people that have peace. I've talked to people all the time, and I've talked to hundreds, if not thousands of people, and they begin to tell you about their lives, and a lot of them are active, many of them are busy, but you'll find that many are stressed, they're tired, Uh, you have people that are ambitious, people that have great dreams, Uh, but one thing I rarely find is that they have any kind of peace. Literally, they're not walking in any type of of peace today. And then when we talk about the climate that we're in right now and the condition of our world and the circumstances that we're in, uh, lots of people are, are looking for peace. One of the questions that's often asked, is this the end of the world? Is, is this going to be it? Uh, all these wars and rumors of wars and you see people protesting and all of these things and coronavirus, what's the next virus, all of that. And so you have this fear or this apprehension and really you find people that do not have uh, peace in their life. This is why when Isaiah prophesied or gave this prophetic word that a child would be born and he would be the Prince of Peace. In fact, when the angels announced the birth of Christ, they said, glory to God 
in the highest and honor, peace, and goodwill toward all men. So Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus was born, announced that Jesus would bring peace. The angels talked about Jesus bringing peace. And in fact, Jesus himself talked about that he was to bring peace. In fact, let me read you a scripture out of John chapter 14. Right before uh, he died and resurrected, uh, he made this statement, John 14, verse 27. He said, I'm giving, you, I'm giving you the gift of peace, the kind of peace that only I can give. It isn't like the peace that the world gives. He said, the kind of peace that only he can give. And isn't it ironic that Jesus said it's not the kind of peace or is it what the world gives? Because how many know the world has the def different definition of what brings peace? How many realize today that you can't find peace in a bottle? You can't find peace in pills. You can't find peace on a screen. You cannot find peace in an experience or in a book or in some type of medication. Jesus said, the peace that I give, only I can give it. The world can't give it, and the world can't take it away, right? And really what the world gives us when they talk about peace, it's really a phony peace. It's kind of a, a temporary peace. You may have peace for a little while, but it doesn't really last. In fact, they have done a survey and really did a survey of how many trees peace treaties, Peace treaties, what am I talking about? Peace treaties that, uh, <laughs> that they've done. And they said that there's been over 8,000 treaties that have been written. And almost all of them have been broken. They said, really, when you look at the history of the world, there's only been 8% of the time that there's been real peace in the world. So we live in a really broken world, and we know why it's broken, because sin came into the world. And so people are looking for peace. In fact, it's hard to find peace. I'll read you the story. I read it before, but I want you to hear it again. There's this man that came to a psychiatrist, and every night when he went to bed, he thought someone was under his bed. So then he'd get up and look under there, but there was no one there. He crawled under the bed, and as he was under the bed, he thought there was somebody on top of the bed. So every night, he'd go under the bed, on top of the bed, under the bed, on top of the bed. So he told the psychiatrist, what can I do? What, can you help me? The psychiatrist said, I think I can't. He said, you're going to have to see me twice a week for a whole year. He said, wow, how much is that going to be? Because it's going to be $75 a session. He goes, man, that's about like $7,800 a year. He said, yeah, it's the best I could do for you. Man went home, about a week later, called the psychiatrist and said, well, I don't need to go in. He said, why not? He goes, my wife solved the problem. The doctor said, what did she do? She cut the legs off of the bed. <laughs> the wisdom of a woman, right? <laughs> now he has peace. <laughs> I, I believe today that God wants to cut the legs off of your worries and anxiety today. And when we think of peace, what kind of peace does Jesus bring? What, and I want to talk about the keys to peace. I want to talk about steps that we can take toward peace. Because as we 
kind of go toward the end of this year, or we are at the end of the year. In just a few weeks, we're going to go into 2024. And if you look at this past year, many of you can look at this past year and say, man, it's been tiring. It's been challenging. Uh, it's been stressful, uh, maybe even heartbreaking. I begin to think about the word peace in the Bible. Do you realize there are 790 verses in the Bible talking about peace? So we're going to go through each one of them. No, we're not going to do that. We're going to kind of summarize them, okay, and into three different categories that I think will really help us. And there's really three kinds of peace that the Bible talks about. There's spiritual peace, and that's kind of an eternal peace that you have with God. There's this emotional peace or internal peace that you have within yourself. And there's relational peace that has to do with relationships. And so the first one I want to talk about is having peace with God. Because you're not going to have peace with other people. You're not going to have peace internally until you have peace with God. Most of us today, that if, we don't, if we're not serving God, you don't have real internal peace. You don't have the peace of God. You don't have that spiritual peace. How many know if your uh, relationship is out of alignment with someone, or you have contention with someone, or there's some type of barrier or friction, that it, it, it really kind of ruins your day? If you have a relationship with your mom, dad, your brother, a good friend, and there's been friction, it robs you of real joy. You ever had that kind of friction with someone and you lose sleep because you're wondering, man, how am I going to resolve this because there's conflict? Well, there's nothing more that can rob you out of peace or rob you from peace when you're out of alignment with God. And here's what the Bible says, that Jesus came to bring us in alignment with God. In 2 Corinthians 5.18, God sent Christ to make peace between himself and us. In other words, that's the reason why Jesus came is to restore that relationship with us and to restore that peace. Now, you may say, well, why, why do I need that? Where, where is this separation from God? What happens is when we start doing our own thing and start thinking that we know better than God, we begin to get out of alignment with God. In fact, so many times we pretend we're like God. Oh, we think we are God. And we start being in charge of our own life. We want to be Lord of our own life, master of our own life. We think we, we know better than God. And so we pretend that we're God. And so we're just going to do our own thing. And we begin to disobey God. We fight against what God is telling us to do. Believe it or not, we become enemies of God. I'm going to show you a scripture. Many of you never have seen yourself as an enemy of God. But when you revolt and you rebel against what God's telling you to do, you become an enemy of God. It really puts you in conflict with God. And so you may have this feeling like, I'm a million miles away from God. Well, when you're in rebellion and doing your own thing, you are a million miles away from God. You're disconnected. Let me show you what the Bible says, Romans 5.1. Since we are made right with God by faith in Christ, we have peace with God because of what Jesus has done for us. So when you have peace with God, it's not something you did, it's something Jesus did. 
Jesus came, died for our sins to restore our relationship with God because this way we can have peace with God. When you have peace with God, it changes everything about your life. It restores this relationship. Let me read you one more scripture here. Romans chapter 5 verse 10. Even though it says we were in his enemies. Again, we're, we become God's enemies when we rebel against God's law and God's ways. God made peace with us. In other words, God took the initiative because his son died for our sin. Now that we're at peace with God... We will be saved for eternity by his son's life. So think about this. There's a lot of religions that teach peace offerings. There's a lot of religions out there that talk about you have to bring a peace offering. In fact, you'll find it in Greek uh, religion and all kinds of different uh, uh, religions out there in the Middle East and the Romans and even uh, even the Romans had these peace offerings. Native Americans talk about a peace offering. But see, the Bible says you don't need to do that with God. Jesus already made peace because he was the offering. Did you hear me? He, he offered himself. In fact, Hebrews 7.27 said Jesus sacrificed for our sins once and for all when he offered himself on the cross. So Jesus became our peace offering. You don't have to try to make an offering to make peace with God. Jesus made himself an offering so that you can have peace with God. How many want that peace today? That's the kind of peace that God wants to give you. In fact, when you remember when the wise men came and when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Remember that? There's a little child, a little boy that wrote he, that they brought gold, frankincense, and myrtle. So, no, it's actually frankincense and myrrh, right? So, they came. And why would they do that? Because what is myrrh used for? I mean, these are not Fisher Price toys. When you think about it, myrrh was embalming or a spice that was used to, to represent death. So, maybe this was preparing, knowing that this child would one day die for the sins of the world. The second thing I want to talk about is having peace within. And this is where a lot of people are at. They're looking for that peace within. And we're talking about this emotional peace, this internal peace, this peace that you can have this calmness about your life. It brings uh, stability to your life. Uh, Colossians 3.15 said, let the peace of God rule in your heart. Let it rule in your heart. There's a word for peace in the Bible, the Hebrew word for shalom or shalom. And basically what that means is internal peace. A lot of people think, well, it means the ending of hostilities. No, actually, shalom means well-being, a wholeness. So God, peace is something that he wants to bring peace and wholeness to your life. Now listen to me. Peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is not the, pro, uh, the absence of, of trials and battles. In fact, peace is having, is having tranquility and having God in the midst of problems. Biblical peace is not the absence of struggle. In fact, Paul the Apostle talked about that we're in a constant spiritual battle against the forces of darkness. He says, put on the whole armor of God. 
And so all over the scripture is talking about that we can still have peace even in the midst of this battle. But there again, there are over 790 verses in the Bible that talk about peace. In fact, I'll be honest with you, you can find peace for every situation. In fact, there is peace for every circumstance that you're in right now. If you're brokenhearted, God can bring a comforting peace. How many thank God for that? If you're confused right now, God can bring a guiding peace. If you're filled with shame, if your heart is shameful, God can bring a forgiving peace. If you have a worried heart, God can give you a confident peace. There over and over, we can go through all of these different types of peace in Scripture. And God has the peace for every problem. If you're having financial problems, he can give you financial peace. If you're having physical problems, he'll give you physical peace. All of these things, God has an answer and has the peace for whatever problem you're going through. And the last one I want to talk about is having peace with others. This is where a lot of us have problems, huh? This is where you shut me out right here. He said, man, I'm, is the game on right now? I'm going to check out. No, the game's not on yet, guys. <laughs> Having peace with others. In other words, this is relational peace. This it has to do with our relationship with other people. Now, let me just say this. When you're close with God, it'll help you be close with others. When you're out of alignment with God, usually you're out of alignment with others. If you want to get along better in your marriage, get closer to God. If you want to get along with other people, get closer to God. The more out of whack you are with God, the more out of whack you are with people. I've said it this way and I'll say it again. If, if you're not good vertically with God, you're not good horizontally. Most people that have problems with, uh, with other people is because you, don't have, you have a problem with God. Your relationship with God's not good. If you have a problem this way, that means you have a problem that way. He said, man, I always have problems with people. Pretty much, you probably have a problem with God too. Because when you have this is in alignment, then this becomes to be in alignment. I'm preaching better than you're clapping this morning. See, in the world, it's not going to get more peaceful. In fact, in this world, there's going to be a lot of conflict. There's going to be a lot of stress. You know, especially in America, we talk about, you know, unite, you know, united we stand, all this stuff. Uh, but really, we, we need the peace of God. Look at what the scripture says, Ephesians 2.16. Christ brought us all together through the death on the cross. The cross gets us to embrace each other and end the hostility between different groups. How I many know we need that in our world today? We need that in America. Everywhere you're looking, man, the crime and all these different things, we need God to bring healing and restoration in our relationship. Galatians 3.28, in Christ's family, there is no division between Jews and Gentiles, slave or free, or even male and female. In Christ, we are all equal and the same. Come on. We're all in common relationship with God. So in other words, these are the three kinds of peace that God wants us to find. It's that peace with him, peace within ourselves, 
and peace with others. And so how do we get there? How are we going to get this peace that I'm talking about? What do we need to do? Because really, our, our world today, even our lives, are filled with so many things. We're, we're, we're filled with all kinds of stress. Even Christmas could be stressful, am I right? You know, what is it, the most wonderful time of the year? Isn't it that wonderful? <laughs> Have you been to the mall lately? <laughs> Number one is just trying to park. I mean, my goodness, that's the challenge. And people fighting, you know, hey, I got parking, you know. I think I told you a few years ago that I tell you this story. I think I'll tell you guys. It was, it was Christmas time. My wife said, don't tell the story. I'm going to put myself under the bus. I'm going to confess to my church. I was waiting there, and you know, I seen this guy going to pull out. It, it was kind of, it was raining a little bit, sprinkling, and so my wife had got off the car. I said, I'm going to park, go ahead and get off. So she, she started walking, and so I waited. You know, I was in this side, but there was another guy on this, on this side. Uh, he came up, but I had already been waiting there. You know, I was there first. <laughs> that guy pulls out, and then I, I'm about to pull, and this guy pulled in right away. His little swoop, little car, he's just swooped in there. I said, oh, no, he didn't do that. That ain't going to happen. The pastor hat came off, everything. I literally walked to the door. I, how crazy is that? I said, I waited for this parking guy to open the door. He looked at me, and I was like, man, I wasn't a saint, guys. I can tell you that. So this is my parking. I was waiting. He goes, oh, okay. You know, he pulled out. And I was looking with my wife looking. And sure, she, sure enough, she's turning around looking at me. Hello, pastor. <laughs> See? Somebody needs peace with God. Hallelujah. <laughs> so how do we enjoy this peace? <laughs> how do we walk in this peace? I believe we can all have peace with God. Number one, write this down. How do we get this peace? I believe we all have to come to a point where we, we experience an eye-opening moment. All of us need to have an eye-opening moment, and, and you can call it a, a, an epiphany, you can call it a revelation, and you can call it an aha moment, you can call it a moment of clarity. Uh, Paul said it this way in Ephesians 1.8, this is his prayer, he said, I pray that the eyes of your heart, see, we have these, these eyes here, but we're talking about eyes in your heart. Where all of a sudden, it, it, you get a revelation of what life's about. He goes, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you. Man, open your eyes. Realize God's calling you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy, in his holy people. So this is a moment of clarity. This is a, an eye-opening moment where all of a sudden you begin to see things the way they really are. I, I believe that all of us, if you open your heart to God, God will cause you to see things differently than you see right now. In fact, you'll begin to see yourself differently. Usually when we view ourselves, we're more righteous than we really are. Right? We see ourselves as good people, but man, if you, if you really look through the eyes of God, you realize you're not as good as you think you are. And you begin to see yourself. There's an eye-opening moment. All of a sudden, you begin to get clarity about things. And you may say, well, you know, my problem is not as big as it is. But man, when God opens your eyes, you say, you know what? I got bigger problems than I think. 
starting to realize I'm the problem. All of a sudden, you look at your past a little bit more clearly, not the way you rewrote it. Isn't it funny how you start talking about the past? you always looking good in the past. You never talk about your faults and all the problems you cause, right? Especially as you get an older parent, you know, you look back, yeah, I did this, and my kid did this to me. You don't talk about what you said to your kid that caused them to do that. Oh, that's a different sermon. Anyway, it's an eye-opening moment. At the moment of clarity. Believe it or not, there are a number of people in the Bible that had to have a, a moment of clarity, an aha moment. All of a sudden, they had to have this eye-opening experience. One of them was Joseph. When he found out from Mary that, you know, she was pregnant, he, and she said, well, you know, uh, I'm pregnant by God. Oh, yeah, right. Exactly. Whatever. I know how people get pregnant. You're not pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And obviously, we know the story. In his sleep, an angel appeared to him and said, hey, that baby she had, that's God. And finally, he had an eye-opening moment. The wise men... They had an eye-opening moment when they looked to the stars. And believe it or not, sometimes nature will open your eyes to the reality of what's going on. And they begin to see, wait a minute, there's this star. Mary had a moment of clarity because the angel appeared to her and said, hey, you're going to have a baby. It's not going to come from a man, but you're going to conceive that by the Holy Spirit. That was an eye-opening moment. Her aunt, later on, had an eye opening moment or her cousin Elizabeth had an eye-opening moment when she walked in and Elizabeth the, Elizabeth was pregnant by John the Baptist at the time the Bible said the baby leaped inside of her when Mary walked in all of us need this eye-opening moment in fact another translation said I pray that your heart will be flooded with light so that you can see so God knows everything how many know God knows everything he knows everything about us but lots of times we try to ignore it or we fight against it or we live in denial. Do you know that denial is the opposite of an eye-opening moment? Denial is not a river in Egypt, okay? Denial is when we say, that's true, right? Denial, yeah, that's denial. That's a river in Egypt. No, no. Denial is when you're pretending there's not a problem and there is. Denial is saying, I don't have a habit, and you do have a habit, a bad habit. Denial is saying, you know, I don't have an attitude, and you do have an attitude. Denial is saying, you don't have a grudge when you do have unforgiveness. Denial is saying, I don't have a sin, sin when we all have sin and fall short. Denial is saying, I'm pretending to be somebody I'm really not. Denial is sweeping it under the rug. And the moment you get clarity, see, the moment you get clarity, you stop blaming other people. You start taking responsibility. Oh, I'm not happy because of that. You're as happy as you want to be. Stop blaming everybody else. Blaming your husband, blaming your wife, blaming your daughter, blaming your coworker, uh, your tia concha, everybody. You're blaming everyone. When you have a moment of clarity, you realize that it's not everybody's fault. You start taking responsibility for your own life. Look at Jesus, what he said, Luke eleven thirty five says, make sure that the light you think you have is not really darkness. Because in reality, what is he saying? We have the greatest ability, ability to lie to ourselves. You know the biggest liars? Look in the mirror, you are. We lie to ourselves. 
We deceive ourselves. We're not honest because you're not having an eye open. This is why you'll never have peace because you're not being honest. You, 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 you tell yourself things are better than they really are. And you're not being realistic until you have that moment of clarity, until you have that moment of real uh, eye-opening, all of a sudden things are going to change and you're going to realize how much you need the peace of God in your life. But as long as you live in denial, you're after the good life, but you're not after the better life. See, I know a lot of people that have the good life. Good life is, you know, I... I have this, I own that, I don't have, but you don't have the better life, which is Jesus. Let me just tell you, there is nothing better than Jesus. There is nothing better than Jesus. I don't care how much you own, I don't care what you have, there is nothing better than Jesus. In fact, Isaiah said it this way, Isaiah 48, 18 says, uh, if, you had, if you only had paid attention to my command, your peace would have flowed like a river. Man, could you imagine, have you just followed God's command? If you just had the eye-opening moment, well, you know what? I think God knows better than I do. Number two, are you ready for this? If you're going to have peace, if you're going to take steps toward peace, number two, you must have an attitude of humility, an attitude of humbleness. Because what happens is pride often gets in the way of having that eye-opening moment and often gets in the way of achieving the kind of peace that God wants to give you. You know why you don't have God's peace? Because you're too prideful. And pride is one of the deadliest sins in the Bible. It's one of the deadliest sins. In fact, pride is what caused Satan to, to be cast down from heaven. Look at what James says. James chapter 4, verse 6 says, God opposes the prideful. In other words, you're on opposite sides. Let's just take that verse right there. You're on opposite sides of God the moment you're prideful. But then it said, but gives grace to who? The humble. In other words, you want the favor of God? You want the peace of God? Humble yourself. Realize you're not all that. Okay? A lot of us think we're all that. You're not all that. You're not as big as you think you are. Let's just be honest. Exchange my prideful vanity for God's peace and sanity. Hallelujah. What a deal. God is saying, you know what? If you'll humble yourself, if you realize you're not all of that and, and you're not, you don't have it all together, that you need God. I have found in serving God over 40 years, I've been walking with God. I have found, you know what? That God is not impressed with my whining. God is not impressed with all the things that I have. God's not impressed. But you know what does impress God? Humility. When you're willing to tell God, I don't have it all together. God, I need you. Look at what the Bible says in Psalm 149, verse 4. For the Lord delights in his people. And look at what it says. He crowned the humble with victory. I don't think I gave you guys the scripture. But it's Psalm 149, 4. For the Lord delights in his people. And what did he do? He crowns the humble with victory. So how do we get humility? How do we humble ourselves? How do you humble yourself? You need to ask God for help. If you want the real peace of God that I'm talking about, you got to really, you got to begin to humble yourself and say, God, I need your help. The moment you do that, 
The floodgates of heaven, the floodgates of God's grace and mercy will be poured out to your life. All of a sudden, uh, the, the, the stress that you've been going through, the anxiety that you've been experiencing, all of a sudden you realize that God will give you peace. That surpasses all understanding. Isaiah 26, 12 says, Lord, grant peace for all we have and all we are has come to you. Have you ever done this? Listen to me. This is, the, this is the moment of clarity. This is the aha moment. When you say, God, everything I am, I owe it to you. Everything I have, I owe it to you. See, when we think, oh, I'm a self-made man. No, you're not. I, I, I work with my own hands. Well, who gave you those hands? Man, I thought it all up myself. Who gave you that brain? Everything you are is because of God. When you, when you humble yourself and say, Lord, the, the blood that flows through my veins, the, the air that I breathe, I thank you for it. God, I thank you this morning that I woke up and I could be here. The reason I'm alive is because you allow me to be alive. I don't have it all together. You keep me together. Can you say amen? That's an attitude of humility. That's an attitude that says, God, uh, uh, it's not about me. It's about you. I'm thankful. It's an attitude that walks in gratitude, an attitude of gratitude. An attitude that says, God, I thank you today. And you're humble enough to say, I need you. So let's just be honest. Aren't we just broken people? All of us are. Am I right? We all have some kind of brokenness in our life. Why don't we humble ourselves and admit that? I'm, I'm broken. There's some brokenness in my life. There's some things in my life that have caused some deep wounds. We, we're flawed in every way. We're not perfect. All of us this morning have a form of brokenness, and we need God's help. We need God's help to strengthen us, to empower us. We can't do it on our own. A lot of us have insecurities. Here's the great thing that I found even in brokenness. Uh, have you ever seen a tree that is, that is broken off or a tree that is kind of tumbled over? You know, I, I've seen trees tumble over and they're still bearing fruit. I mean, that tree's almost, man, it looked like it's dead, but man, a fruit still coming out of that tree. It's on the floor and everything else. Uh, I believe that you can be fruitful in the midst of your brokenness, uh, that you can be the most fruitful in the midst of your brokenness. In fact, look at what the Bible says when you're broken. Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to those whose hearts are breaking. He rescues those who are humbly sorry for their sins. So when you are humble, when you say, God, I don't have it all together. When you say, God, you know, I, I've messed up. I've done some things in my life. All of a sudden, you will experience God's peace. All of a sudden, you will experience what God has for your life. In fact, the book of Philippians says that the peace that surpasses all understanding. I, I have lived a life today. I can tell you there's been times where I've been broken, that, or times where I've been uh, hurt, uh, times where I found myself in some dark times, uh, and I, you know, with family or things that have happened, people that have died around me. And, and you know, through it all, I still find the peace of God. Doesn't mean I'm not hurt. Doesn't mean I'm not wounded, but somehow in those dark times, God's with me and I'm okay. God's gonna, we're gonna work it out. Hallelujah. Here's one of the most difficult scriptures. You wanna know the hardest scripture in the Bible? If not, don't gossip. I know for some of you, you might think that's hard. Uh, if not, don't cheat. 
It's not don't murder. It's not don't steal. I'm going to read you the hardest scripture in the Bible. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Don't worry about anything. Remember that song, don't worry, be happy, shut up. Come on. We're all going to worry about something. Anyway, what a dumb song. But anyway, uh, don't, don't worry about anything. I mean, let's be honest. We worry. And what worry is, they, they, worry is assuming responsibility that God never meant for you to have. Look at what it says. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. So we can pray or we can panic. We can pray or we can worship or we can worry. We can have faith or we can have fear. What are we going to do? Are we going to panic? Are we going to worry? Because all of us are going to find ourselves in a place where we're going to worry. Let me read the whole scripture. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and begin to thank him. This takes humility. If you do this, what? You will experience God's peace. God's peace, which is far greater than the human mind can understand. Another translation said that surpasses all understanding. God's peace will guard your heart and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. So when you humble yourself, when you say, I don't have it all together, and you begin to give God your worries, you begin to give God your anxieties, you begin to say, God, I can't handle it on my own, then God will give you peace that surpasses all understanding. How many want that today? I, I think that should be our prayer today. There was a, a, a husband and wife that had their fifth child. Man, if you got five kids, man, you got your hands full. And friends of theirs sent them a, a brand new playpen. And so for these friends, you know, said, man, we're going to help them out. So they send them a playpen. And several weeks later, they got a card back from this family. And they said, the playpen is wonderful. Just what we needed. And the wife said, I sit in it every afternoon and read. And the kid can't get close to me. <laughs> That's real peace right there. <laughs> A lot of moms know what I'm talking about. Get on the peace train, not on the stress train, right? We got to get the peace of God. And so here's the third one. How do we get this peace? You know, again, we got to get humble. We got to acknowledge God. And, and we got to have this expectation that Jesus is there to help us. You've got to have that expectation. Can I tell you, God's wanting to help, man. He's doing everything that he can to let you know that he wants to help you. In fact, you're here today. I don't believe it's a coincidence. I believe God's trying to tell you, he can help you. He can help you with your stress. He can help you with your anxiety. This is what Christmas is. So I got this glass of water here. It's not because I want to drink it. It's because I'm using it as an illustration. How many, how many can guess how much this thing weighs right here, this water? Anybody know? Anybody can take a guess? All right, not all at once. Uh, 20 ounces? 30 ounces? Th 32? Can I tell you, it really doesn't matter how many ounces are in here. <laughs> so what, what I really want to kind of illustrate to you 
is that I can hold this glass of water right here and I can pretty much manage it pretty good. But if I begin to hold it out here, look at my, even my hands are shaking a little bit there. I should have probably had Isaac come up here and hold it. Probably put two of them in his hands, you know. But here, here we are, okay, and, and I can hold it out here for a while, maybe even a few minutes. I do pretty good. But what if, you, what if I started holding this for a few hours? What would begin to happen? After a while, the pain in my arm, my shoulder, probably up in my neck. After a while, if I started holding it, it probably would freeze up my arm, maybe even paralyze it for a while. It probably would get stuck. All the muscles would begin to ache. Yeah, see, I'm already getting tired. See that? <laughs> and I begin to think about that because I think a lot of us today, that's what we do with our worry. And that's what we do with our anxiety is we try to carry everything and you're not asking God for help. You're trying to carry and all, all of a sudden, uh, and, and if, I, I, if I begin to hold all of that weight, it would, it, it would affect my whole body. I think when we begin to hold all of this worry, all of this anxiety, your blood pressure goes up. Your heart rate goes up. Your mental uh, ways of thinking, it affects your emotion, the stress and the worry. Because we're not looking to the Prince of Peace who can give us peace instead of the anxiety. Somebody say amen. So what do we do? How do we go to God for help? And this is where I want to kind of, kind of close it here in just a few moments. Matthew chapter 11, I, look, I love what Jesus says. Come to me, all of you who are tired and worn out from carrying heavy loads. Anybody knows what, how that feels? Come to me, all you are tired and worn out, and carry heavy loads, and I will give you a whole lot more. No, I didn't say that, right? I will give you rest. That's what the Bible says. I will give you rest. So all we have to do is come to Jesus. He says, come to me. Those that carry this heavy, this heavy load. And then he talks about in the scripture about take my yoke upon you. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And what he's talking about there, I don't know if we can get that picture up there with the, that, I, that, I, that I sent this is what he's talking about, this yoke. I don't know if you're familiar with oxen. But in order to get oxen to work together and work as a team, they put this yoke on them. So a lot of us, when I think about yoke, you may say, well, I think about yoke like an egg. No, it's not. This is the yoke. The yoke's on you, right? This is the yoke right here. <laughs> this is the yoke I'm talking about. I'm sorry. Here I am getting carried away. So, so when we talk about the yoke, Jesus is saying, I will help you carry it. You can take it down. You got the picture. I will help you carry it. You don't need to carry it by yourself. I'll get alongside of you and help you carry the burden. And my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's the peace that God wants to give you. In fact, they say whenever they yoked a young oxen with an older oxen the older mature oxen would carry most of the of the burden trying to show the younger oxen what to do and if you begin to put that yoke actually you'll find that Jesus is carrying more of the yoke than you are 
He's carrying more of the burden. He's carrying more because he wants to give you peace. He's telling you, you're not designed to carry all the things that you're carrying right now. But if you give it to God, he'll give you peace. I said, if you give it to God, he'll give you the peace that you're looking for today. So I want to pray. Would you just bow your head and close your eyes? I want to pray for you today. Holy Spirit. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com give.